0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: All right, McFarlane, McFarlane Energy, thanks so much for sponsoring the Radfo Show once again. And a lot of good things coming up. A lot of good things coming up this week. It's going to be a big week. It's going to be a memorable week uh, for all, Everybody involved, I think, with this podcast, and there's a lot of announcements. Well, there's one big announcement, and there's also a lot of great interviews, and we're going to keep them rolling along. The off offseason, it's, it's morphing from the postseason to uh, the decision-making, the roster moves, the stuff that you can really sort of dive deep into the Red Sox in terms of what they're going to do, but we're not quite there yet. We're not quite at the point where Xander Bogarts is going to get announced. We're not quite there yet in terms of um, what options are being picked up. We're not quite there yet in terms of those first phone calls to free agents and who they're interested in, how they're going to spend their money. We're not quite there yet. Where we are at is on the cusp of the World Series, and we know that the Philadelphia Phillies are in the World Series. You know how I know because I saw Dave Dombrowski – Hat on backwards. It was a hat on backwards Dave Dombrowski day, along with the flip-flops, champagne. So, you know, you know the drill. We know it by now. Also, Kyle Schwarber, you saw him as well. So, the Phillies, congratulations to them. And obviously, for the Red Sox fans of all the teams that were involved, really, I think the Phillies were the one at the top of the heap when it came to the interest because you had Dombrowski and Schwarber there. Boom, boom. That's it. And really, so when they're with them going to the World Series, there's some really, really interesting conversation to be had. That's it. I'm going to say they're interesting. So they must be interesting. There. Take it for what it's worth. I think they're interesting. Uh, and we're going to get to the Dave Dombrowski one. I think as a week unfolds. But the Schwarber one jumps to mind and it, it's really interesting because. I think that the vast majority of people for the Red Sox who who follow the Red Sox like Kyle Schwarber, they wanted Kyle Schwarber back. They blame the Red Sox for not bringing back Kyle Schwarber. But there is that faction that says, what are you talking about? He's, he's hit 200. You know, he's 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 a limited defensive player, so forth and so on. Well, okay. I mean, fair. I mean, fair. If you want to go by batting average, that's fine. That's your prerogative. It's your prerogative. I'm going to say it. It's your prerogative to be wrong. All I know is this. Kyle Schwarber in the elimination game for the San Diego Padres walked three times. They did not want to pitch to Kyle Schwarber, probably more than anybody else. You know how I know that? Because they did pitch to Bryce Harper, and he made him pay. So, Kyle Schwarber, we know like the value of it. So, I think it's time to take sort of a deep dive into what happened with the Red Sox and Kyle Schwarber. So, I jumped on with... Ken and Curtis and the Ken and Curtis show, Ken Laird and Chris Curtis. And we talked about the Schwarber situation. So I tried to bring as much light as I could as I was sitting in uh, or standing in the corner of a tennis court in Essex, Massachusetts at a clam chowder tasting contest. But I enjoyed the conversation with them. So I figured I, I surface it here on the Bradfoe show as part of the Schwarber conversation or Schwarber narrative. And because I, you know, I I emptied the tank. They asked me the questions. I gave them whatever answers I could. But you, you 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 can add this about the Schwarber thing. I don't think I don't think there's any question that Kyle Schwarber. If if you have to do it over, if you're the Red Sox, you pay the twenty million dollars a year. You just do. Okay, he he's worth it, and you can cite batting average. But all I know is this: you go two things. Number one is that you have to. Get the things that your team needs, the the puzzle pieces that fit your team. And with Schwarber, they he I don't know if you know this he led the national he led the National League in home runs. He hits a lot of home runs. Red Sox needed home runs. They didn't hit a lot of home runs. They needed the guy. They couldn't make up for Schwarber. They couldn't make up for Renfro. They didn't. Uh, JT Martinez didn't come through with this typical power year. So you have that. So what did the Red Sox do? I mean, why didn't they do that? You also have the dynamic of they were trying to project what was going to happen with their roster. So they projected that Bobby Dalback was going to play first base the vast majority of the time. That didn't work out. They projected that he was going to play first base so much, even against righty pitchers, that you really wouldn't need that lefty complement that much. And that's why they got Travis Shaw, and he was going to be the lefty complement. All right. Well, they needed him more. They needed that guy more than they knew. Also, you know, they wanted to to allocate, they wanted to prioritize defense. And remember the Phillies, oh my goodness, when the Phillies signed Castellanos and and Schwarber, like, oh, what are you going to do defensively? Well, okay, the the Red Sox were thinking along those lines. They were prioritizing defense, getting Jackie Bradley, and then figuring out from there in right field. Well, that obviously didn't work out either. So what you could have done, what you could have done in hindsight, you could have signed Schwarber, and he could have been the guy who, he put obviously he would have played a lot at first base uh, with Dalback struggling. So at very least, you would have had uh the lefty complement there, platooning there, probably more. And then you could have put him out in right field and you would make up for whatever D or put him in whatever you want, left field, right field, put, put Verdugo in right field, fine. But put him in left field. And whatever defense he was lacking, he would make up for in terms of the, the home runs, the power, um, the play discipline, all of that. And, you know, so when you want to go back to the whole batting average stuff, that's your prerogative. Well, again, that's fine. I mean, I use batting average. I use OPS. I use home runs. I use RBIs. But <laughs> the stat that, like, is getting a lot of tractions, bizarrely, because of Carlos Correa, on on the broadcast on the postseason broadcast and he's rattling off these stats which he said forget about batting average RBIs home runs the the stat that you want or one of them and he said it really was at the top of the heap was woba so <laughs> you're like what what is what is woba what what are you talking about well all right for those uh, who are not familiar with woba which is weighted on base average Let me read this paragraph from Fangraphs. I could read the formula to do it, but your head would explode. So let me just read the the synopsis of the paragraph. This is probably the best way to consume most things on Fangraphs anyway. Weighted on base average combines all the different aspects of hitting into one metric, weighting each of them in proportion to their actual run value while batting average on base percentage and slugging percentage fall short in accuracy and scope. WOBA measures and captures offensive value more accurately and comprehensively. All right, even that sort of gave me a headache, but it's the best I can give you. So there you go. So why do I mention this? Because Kyle Schwarber had the 16th best wOBA in the National League. You know who that was better than? Trey Turner. And so it obviously better than with some other guys too, and not too far about he was just behind Wilson Contreras of the Cubs. I mean, like like barely behind him. And and so if you're gonna prioritize, where are or, or you're gonna look at what they're gonna prioritize, what baseball is prioritizing now, and we know what Schwarber brings, and we aren't even we haven't even talked about the fit in the clubhouse, and I'm you know I can you can hear me talk more about that with Ken and Curtis, and you know really what the Red Sox offered and what they didn't offer, but he was such a good fit, he wanted to come back. Um, it wasn't going to work out, you know, the, as you're going to hear them play, you know, he says after the lockout, they really didn't talk. So uh, they clearly want to go another way. They clearly want They say, well, if you want to come to our, to come to back on our terms, fine, which was three years. I mean, it, you know, So, okay, so he gets four years from the, Phill- the Phillies. This is the life of a free agent. This is the life of free agency. Dave Dombrowski, and this is what he's good at, it just is, that when he identifies a guy, he's like, okay, that's the guy I want. That's the fit on the team, and I know I'm going to have to pay a little bit more and maybe eat it at the back end. Well, whatever. Okay, fine. I don't even know if you're going to have to with Shorbert. He's not going to be that old on his fourth year. He's just not. And, you know, when you go back to Dombrowski, he, okay, you know, he signed Schwarber 20 a year, Cassiano's five years, 20 a year. And that that obviously has not gotten off to a great start, but, hey, whatever, they're in the World Series, and he is contributing something. And then you have Brad Han another guy who they sign, and, you know, this is the bullpen thing, right? You've one year, $5 million. And there's, there's all these one-year guys, these one-year bullpen guys, and Dave Dombrowski, rightfully so, got a lot of criticism for the way that he built bullpens. Well, he got that guy, and then he went out and got Dave Robertson. And there you go. Boom, boom, boom. Next thing you know, you're in the World Series. All right. So, the, uh, you know, the, the Schorber thing is really interesting. You want to get, like I said, as the week goes on, we'll get into Dombrowski. We'll uh, hopefully be on the scene with some of this stuff give you interviews so so subscribe rate review listen all the above i'll do all of it we'll keep we'll keep doing it on our part and uh like i said big announcements coming up as the week unfolds it's going to be a memorable week here at Bradford show central all right well here you go here's my uh conversation with ken laird chris curtis on the ken and curtis show
0: Swung on, hit of the air, right center field, pretty deep, going back and looking up is Soto, it's gone! Lead off, home run for Kyle Schwarber! Great start on this Friday
2: night as Schwarber with his second homer of this postseason and of this
0: series. You want to get this crowd into it, do something like that right out of the shoe. Wow! On our sister station WIP in Philadelphia, Phillies Radio Network, Schwarbaum Early. Who was the Philly voice forever? What was his name? Oh, God. How can I not think of it? Harry uh, Harry Callis? Harry Callis. Yeah, well done. The great Harry Callis. That's not him anymore. RIP. But Phillies are up 2-1 in the series over the Padres. Dombrowski and Schwarber threatening to move on. And I feel like it's a good time to bring Bradfield on, to set the record straight here once and for all. Because this could go down as one of the biggest gaffes in Red Sox history. Well, maybe may extreme. But worst, it's, it's, worst front office
2: firing in Boston sports in the last 20 years. And, oh, I'm talking about Schwarber's non-signing. More oh, so I'm, than the Dabrowski well, firing. I think Dabrowski, since he hired, since he signed Schwarber in Philly, he probably would have re-signed him if he was here. And I read a story about this. This broke right when Dombrowski left. Peter Gammons had a story in The Athletic, and he, wrote, and he said or wrote, I don't know if this was a quote or a, a podcast... He had something on his mind, meaning Dombrowski. I was trying to figure out what in the world was happening. Did somebody get hurt or something? And then Bradford from EEI said to me, Gee, Werner looks kind of confused today. As someone who was very close to ownership and to me, Dave was tired of hearing he wasn't coming back, so he pressed and said to ownership, I want to know, I want clarity, I want an extension, and was told no. And if he didn't like it, that was it. And then at one point, Gammons looks up to see what Dombrowski was thinking, and he had left. He left in the middle of the game and never came back. Wow, so...
0: You know what date was the date on that? This is from September 10th, 2019. All right, so Bradfoe, our Red Sox uh, reporter extraordinaire on the line. Hello, Bradfoe.
3: Yeah, I remember that day specifically. That was definitely not a sanctioned conversation of the public publicizing by Peter Kampen. <laughs> oh, <So, laughs> well, it is now. I literally ran into Tom Werner in the parking lot, and it just turns out that, you know, the wheels were in motion. In terms of Dave Dombrowski stuff, but but I don't whatever. I mean. I, I, did, I do want to say that I am not reporting from New York Penn Station. I am reporting from the Essex <laughs> Clam Festival, though. <laughs> oh, there, well, there you go. Well, A lot
0: more go. sources there. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what do you want to start with, Dombrowski or uh, or Schwarber? In hindsight, Curtis, I mean, I guess what's started- Schwarber? Because he's okay. you know he he was the star last night again. Lead off home run set the dialogue for the uh, Phillies last night. And he's that- homered in both their wins. The one was like 500 feet or something. I mean, yeah. last yeah. night's not as uh, long as as far, but still, 4-2 win and an important. So take us back, Brad, uh, to the all-star game. Who did you talk to there?
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well,
3: I talked to Schwarber. I mean, I talked to Schwarber about, and he basically said, the timeline was, he asked about the, the negotiations with the Red Sox and business this and business that. But he said that the thing that struck me was that he said, after the lockout, there wasn't really a whole lot of conversation. And, you know, we heard, you go back to last offseason, and all we heard was we're touching base, we're keeping, we're keeping in touch with Kyle, and we're interested in Kyle, so forth and so on. And then Schwarber says, well, after the lockout, I really we didn't really hear a lot from him. And I should note this, is that, so I've heard, initially I heard what the Red Sox offer was. Then just the other day, I heard another offer or another version of it. So I want to make this very clear. I intend on writing this. <laughs> and I, 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 but I, I do want to sort of firm up exactly what it is. So the initial <laughs> offer that I heard, the Red Sox, we have to be clear about all this. Yes, stuff now, yes right? Yep, yep. So, so the initial offer that I had heard about the Red Sox was three and 30. And then, then I heard from, I feel like a more reliable source that it was actually three 39. Either way Ugh. you are, you, you are falling well short. Of where Kyle Schwarber ended up,
0: which was four and, and eighty, you,
3: right? Four for eighty, right? Four, four for eighty. So you can have you can have all the interest in the world, and this is leads you to this off season. Is you can have all the interest in the world, and you can value these guys to a certain point, but in free agency, you have to do exactly what Dave Dombrowski did with Kyle Schwarber and get uncomfortable and pay the guy more. That's just how it works.
2: Rob, I I know I'm not you know I will never be confused with Warren Buffett or a brilliant businessman's mind, but I really don't understand. And I asked Sam this when he would join us during the season with the Bogart situation, where at the start of the season you have your leader, the number one, the captain, you know, the guy that gets everybody going that everybody respects, Xander Bogart's being lowballed on the eve of the opener at Yankee Stadium, and everybody who defended the organization said, "Well, it's a negotiation. You know, you begin at a number, you land at this." Three years and 39, or three years and 30, you know isn't close to getting it done. So is it done by the organization for just housekeeping purposes so that if someone asks, they can say, we extended an offer, we had interest? Like, I don't understand the time wasted when you tell someone, you give an offer that you know is not even in the stratosphere of what they would agree to sign.
3: Yeah, well, I think that, In their world, maybe they feel like we're going to get lucky and maybe there's not going to be another offer. We don't believe there's going to be another offer. Obviously, in this case, there was. But, you know, it comes back to if you really want a guy, and this has been the Red Sox sort of credo for the most part leading up to this regime, if you really want a guy, you're going to get him, right? You're going to overpay for him. You're going to do whatever you could to get him. Right, David Price. Right, oh my God! I mean, forty forty million dollars over the second best bid. Right. So you know, so usually you were going to get that guy. Now, the, the problem that they've had, like, is is doing things like you mentioned, Bogart. Is okay. We're going to value you here, knowing that you probably aren't going to take it. But you know, it's a, it's a beginning point. Well, that's not really how it works. I said this throughout the entire season. You have to put your best foot forward to see where you stand. Because if you don't put your best foot forward, now you're getting into an uncomfortable, now you've lost all the leverage. It makes no sense at all. So, if you really truly want the guy, then you put the offer out there that you feel is going to be close to what the best offer is. And and I don't feel sort of to this point that's what this regime is doing and has done. Now, will that change? That's going to be the, the million dollar question because you have all this money and you have to, you did say we're going to spend it. Well, you're going to miss out on a lot of guys if you don't realize that you're going to have to pay more than you're comfortable paying. Well,
2: and, and it's true, Rob. And what you're saying, like, just linking back to the Bogarts thing, is just so enraging because on many fronts, but the number one front for me is if you're on that team, if you're Rafael Devers, right, and you see that the organization is low-balling Xander Bogarts who does everything that a winning player needs, does everything to increase the 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 well-being of those around him the way xander does and the way the people view xander in that clubhouse lowballing him in that way is just such a myopic view of what that will translate into on the field it's like we're looking at people not as people but as statistical you know uh, anomalies that will just continue no matter what we say or how we treat them
3: yeah well i think that You know, when I sat down with Haim, and I think that one of the two, there was two really huge takeaways for me. One was the approach to Devers, and the other one was him saying, of course we value that stuff, because if we didn't value it, he's heading into his 30s as a free agent, you're getting off the bus. And that was his term, getting off the bus with any free agent in their 30s if you don't value this other stuff. All right, fine. Okay, you value it. That's great. Now, what they were doing was that they were sort of saying, hey, you know, we're banking on Xander Bogart's not being any better. We're banking, we're banking on Trevor Story being really good and potentially being leveraged to move over to shortstop. And in both cases, they lost. And so now you're sitting here, and I don't care about any like, oh, you know, the owners met with them and it was a good report by Sean McAdam, absolutely. But unless Scott Boris was sitting on the couch next to Xander Bogart's, it doesn't matter. At this point, Xander Bogart has all the leverage. So it, it, they lost that risk that they ran by making that offer in April, and now they're going to have to pay more.
0: Bradfo joins us on the Harbour One Hotline, brought to you by McFarlane Energy, by the way, as always. McFarland. Yes. McFarland. Okay, now I want to. I can't get over this. Uh, you know, the, the Schwarber is like an ex-girlfriend. I can't get over Rob. So now this is the audio from the All-Star Game. Um, uh, Nick LePan going to play it now, just so we have it on record here. One, yes, I I love my time in Boston. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, you know, and in the off-season, it was. You know, didn't really get to hear much after the, the lockout. But okay, didn't get to hear much after the lockout. Now he's twenty-nine. It's not like this is a guy in his thirties he produced for you in a big time way last year. You traded for him. It was it's a top 20 prospect, not like it was a, you know, a top 5 guy, but still he served the business and the on-field sides equally as right. well. Yeah. Why why yeah. did they not really want him? Like doesn't he fit perfectly? Wouldn't he be JD Martinez after JD leaves, which he's obviously doing now? Yeah, I mean, you make all good points,
3: including the one that Chris made about the business. I mean, you can't discount that. We, we talked a lot about the jersey sales and who's going to wear the jerseys, at Bogarts and Devers Well, you know, if Shorber was still here, Schwarber's the one. You know, people love Kyle Schwarber. In in the couple months he was here. But I think that part of this was they were banking a lot, and this sounds maybe silly that now, but they were banking a lot of Bobby Dalback taking a step up in terms of being a first baseman. They were banking on having this sort of new outfield of being more of a defensive outfield uh, working out, and because if you put Kyle Schwarber out there, obviously you don't have a defensive outfield. But to your point, you know, I, the, whatever it made sense was you probably know you're moving on from J.D. Martinez, so you get uncomfortable in whatever way you have to this year, so that you have the guy going forward for the for the rest of the contract. It makes a lot of sense, and and what it comes down to, guys, is that you know, they were wrong. They were, they can cite batting average or they can cite, like, all these analytics that Kyle Schwarber didn't have, but they were wrong when it came to the impact that Kyle Schwarber had in 2022. He was far more than a $13 million a
0: year, three-year player. Is, is Cora pissed about it, or did Cora not love Kyle from Waltham? No, I mean, I think Cora loved him. I think, but again, like, this is,
3: you know, they, they, they made moves, and we all said, oh, okay, we can kind of see this, including probably core. We can kind of see this working out. And, yeah, Schwarber seemed a little bit of a square peg around hole, a little bit, you know, for, for a while. But as we sit here, you know, whoever was saying that, and probably me at one point, too, is that we were wrong. I mean, we were wrong. Because not only, not only by the way, because of the on-field fit, but because of the business thing, and also because of the dynamic that that guy brings, I mean, he was a very popular guy in that clubhouse. Um, and we're, as we're seeing all these things, as we're seeing with this team who's on the verge of going to the World Series.
0: Bradfo, uh, do you want to announce your new uh, project yet, or is that uh, to be unveiled at a later date? Well, I mean, we can be like a soft, soft launch announcement. <laughs> yeah, we call it a flaccid launch. <laughs> a flaccid launch. <laughs> well, no, I don't want that. We want a blockbuster launch. Maybe we should. Oh, just sit it on
3: will. It. it will be. It will be a blockbuster. I will say this. Just about a half hour ago, for this new project, big news, big news. Ooh. Just to say that, yeah. A uh, so so. What I'm doing is I'm doing a daily national podcast for Odyssey. Um, and uh, a bunch of major league players have just committed to doing a regular appearances on there. So um, uh, baseball isn't boring at a lot of meat and bone So we're uh, we're eating it all up as the into the off season. that launches Thursday. But well, you'll hear more more about it.
2: Awesome. Well, congratulations on that. One brief complaint about the website. Nothing about Courtney's yeah. 31st birthday today on there. Is it a birthday today? Yes. Really?
0: Wow! Happy birthday, Courtney. So, oh, um, like, get on you, that. You, you, how dare you,
3: you're just supposed to say her birthday. You're never supposed to say, really. come Jeez. on, what's
2: wrong with oh him? I'm sorry. That's
3: <laughs> like the opposite of a Chris, a uh, birthday gift. Come on.
0: How about but before uh, you go, do you have any thoughts on, I know you've been to Chris Catillo's broadcasting school. Do you have any thoughts on the week that was, <laughs> uh, with reporting and DMS and everything else going on? Oh,
3: I mean, Curtis, I mean, like, I, I think that you did a good job the other day, um, I think what I would say is this: is that you you start and end with what I had said early in this interview. Why, when you're coming out and saying I'm not going to write it in the Globe, but I'm going to say it on multiple outlets, and then the way that the world works, where you're aggregated all over the place, and said, "Hey, you know what? This report of Ben Bolin of the Boston Globe, it doesn't matter." I mean, but the fact is that you won't re- you won't put it in words. That's the thing that always drives me nuts. It drove me nuts when Glenn Ordway didn't want us to write about Isaiah Thomas's broken jaw, and it drives me nuts with Ben Bolin.
2: Yeah, it's, it's such an odd thing, and it is a weird, like, I remember Shaughnessy years ago with the old show would get so enraged about taking things he says on the air and putting it into print, or Adam Schefter, classically. His own network quoted him on ESPN.com about what he said, and he said it wasn't a report. Like, if you're it's a cop reporter, out. A cop out, right? Because if you're right, guess what? Like my biggest thing this week, and Florio's gotten a pass largely because of the vol and local angle here. But Florio, when he gets a story right, is the first in line to tell you he had it first. But when he's wrong, I don't cover all thirty-two. I cover all thirty-two teams. I don't cover your team locally. If I don't say this, then my other option is to say nothing. No, th- there's a difference between saying nothing and reporting something without any facts you can surmise you can guess but if you say it as a report and then get called out for the manner in which you're discussing the report then it's then you can't have it both ways you can't celebrate when you're first and then say it was just gossip later on
3: no and and Schefter that was ridiculous when he was doing that with with, I think it was with you guys that was stupid he I mean it was it was this holier than now sort of tone about it. Like, no, you're, you're saying it. It's a report. In this case, same thing. I mean, you're basically saying he's doubling down on it with you guys. And, and that's if I'm the Boston Globe, like, for instance, if, if Andy Hart or Kyrie Thompson went also on, on NBC Sports Boston and said something so definitively, I, I would immediately go, well, why aren't you writing it? Why are you writing it? I mean, it's common sense. Right. And I don't know if the Globe did that, but that's the first thing. When we talk about the journalistic uh, part of this, that's the first thing that you have to ask, and and then you go down the road from there.
0: Rob, enjoy your day out in uh, Greater Ipswich. Listen,
3: listen, uh, great Essex, Yes. And uh, otherwise known as Greater Ipswich, yes, it's the... the, uh, is <laughs> it's the is it's proper? Uh, yes, the chowder taste. I am literally sitting in the tennis court right now, in the middle of uh, a bunch of chowder tasting. So, where all the good journalists uh, are. So, all yes,
2: right. absolutely. Well, have fun. Say hi to Wiggy. Thank you, all
3: Rob. Right. All Bye. right, I'll see you. Bye. <laughs>